We have a special request. What drives Shawnee and I to do this podcast and our day jobs is to try and help investors reach their financial goals. Whether you're in retirement or just starting out, we want to hear your story and how Morningstar has helped you build a better financial future for your family. We're filming a short set of testimonial videos that will go through your journey. If you're a Sydney-based Morningstar Premium subscriber and you'd like to take part, the link to the survey is in our episode notes. If we pick you, we'll extend your premium subscription for a year as a thank you for helping out. Thanks and looking forward to hearing from you. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Investing Compass. Before we begin, please note that the information contained in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your personal circumstances, situation, or needs. So we're going to talk about licks today, Shawnee. But for people who listened to the last episode, we talked about we were going on our boat trip that day. And we we're talking about how terrible the weather was, right? So we've made it. But do you want to talk a little bit about what the boat trip was like? The boat trip was very wet. It was raining the whole time. We did survive, though. We did. We did. And (laughs) the beginning, you and Will stood undercover, and Mm -hmm. I ran errands to get us booze and food Mm. for it. It was very kind. Yeah. But we made it. We made it. I don't know. It was somewhat enjoyable. It was. It was really nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would have been also nodding his head. Yeah, it would it would have been more enjoyable, obviously, if it was (laughs) sunny. (laughs) Sunny. There was one point where you were considering swimming. I was. I was just going to jump in because the water looked very nice, but um, decided against it because it started pouring. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I decided I would. Yeah. Well, anyway, we'll we'll do it again next time we get to a milestone. We'll hope for a sunny day. How about Mm -hmm. that? Sounds good. All right. So we're going to talk about licks today. So let's get into the episode. All right, so today our episode is on listed investment companies or licks. We've had quite a few requests for this episode and it's understandable. Licks have been rising in popularity. Even just in the past year, licks and lits, which are listed investment trusts, basically the same thing, have increased in market cap by 27.7%. It's now sitting at about $60 billion. Yeah, so the logical place to start is what is a lick? So a lick, and a lick stands for an listed investment company. So it's listed on an exchange, as the name suggests. And it's an actively managed investment, meaning a professional investor or investors pick the assets that go into the lick. So if you're unfamiliar with licks, it might sound like I'm describing an ETF or maybe a listed managed fund. But unlike a managed fund, which is a unit trust, licks are listed, but they're also companies. So you buy shares in a company instead of units in a fund. And we'll just spend a second on this legal structure because I think it explains the difference. So a unit trust is a legal structure that means the trust or managed fund, is set up with the beneficiary being the investors, which means all profits are distributed to the beneficiaries instead of being reinvested. So we'll talk a little bit more later about kind of what all of this means and what the implication is. But what it basically says is that any income or capital gains that are generated by the unit trust will get distributed. And when you think of a lick, think of it like a company. The company holds assets, but instead of the assets being a combination of tangible assets like factories that produce goods or intangible assets like patents or the collective knowledge that produces services, the assets are investments. When you start to think of it as a company, the way we describe licks will hopefully start to make a little more sense. So just like a company, there's somebody in charge. There is a board of directors and decisions are made on what assets to buy and sell and what to do with any profits that are made. 
Are those profits distributed to the owners of the company, the shareholders, or are they kept? This is not a perfect analogy, but throughout this episode, keep the company idea in mind when you're thinking about licks. And unlike ETFs, which are open-ended, a lick is a closed investment. A closed investment means that when they receive new money from investors, or if someone sells their shares, they do not cancel or buy more shares like an open-ended fund or a managed fund would. Closed means that there's a set number of securities within the asset, and because no one can buy shares unless someone is willing to sell, the share price of the lick moves based on supply and demand. And this is the same as any other company. And so the value of the underlying assets is called the net tangible assets, or the NTA. And because of it being close-ended, licks often trade at a premium or discount to the net tangible assets. And it's this premium or discount that confuses investors. We're all used to ETFs and managed funds that quote their unit values every day. But with licks, the variance between the NTA and the share price that it's trading for could potentially be seen as an advantage. And there are other advantages to licks. Let's take, for example, if we're in a market downturn. And we did see this happen with the GFC, where investors panic sold their holdings in managed funds, and it forced the fund managers to liquidate their holdings when they really didn't want to. And they had to do this to repay the withdrawals. And we all know with hindsight why this is bad. It's forcing fund managers to sell assets when markets are bottoming. Then we see the opposite happen, right? When there's euphoria during market rallies where FOMO is strong and investors pile money into investments and fund managers are forced to buy more and more assets, even if they don't see any opportunities. And we talked about this in a previous episode. We discussed a big advantage that everyday investors have over professionals and its structural edge. And this refers to the structural impediments that fund managers face, like dealing with investor inflows and outflows. With licks, this scenario just doesn't happen because of the close-ended structure. Regardless of market conditions and investors buying or selling, the manager holds the same portfolio without having any of the investing decisions dictated by inflows or outflows. This is a huge plus for licks and lick investors because it means that the manager can focus on holding assets that they believe will do well without the influence of fund flows, which for traditional fund managers becomes a big part of their job. They may start buying in a downturn and pick up some bargains or sell stocks that become overvalued in bull markets. Supporters of Licks argue that the close-ended structure enables them to invest more efficiently and outperform unit trusts or other managed funds over time. When we look at how Licks came about in Australia, we can start in the 20s. So Whitefield Limited, with the ticker symbol WHF, was incorporated in 1923, but it didn't list on the ASX until 1971. And we've seen this happen quite a lot. Investment companies that started in the 20s and 30s, then listed in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. So we saw this with Australia's largest licked, We're Investment Trust, and we saw this with Argo Investments, ARG. What we're seeing now, though, is that the lick sector is currently benefiting from two major structural changes. The first is that there were changes to the regulations that govern companies in the Corporations Act in 2010. The change allowed companies to pay dividends as long as they are solvent, which was changed from companies only being able to pay a dividend if they had an accounting profit. And before 2010, this was very prohibitive for licks because it meant that even if they had the cash and they had cash flow coming in, if their assets had fallen in value, they could not return a dividend to shareholders. And so this, of course, gives a lot more choice to managers of the licks and also allows them to pay a steady stream of dividends to owners. And dividends are a huge component of why licks are attractive to investors. Because they're structured as a company, they're able to retain profits and distribute them at a time of their choosing, instead of being forced to distribute any income earned. 
That means that income can be planned for in advance and returned in steady streams. Another anomaly with LICS was a very strange exception to the future of financial advice or FOFA laws that were introduced in 2012 to prevent advisors from receiving a commission for putting their clients into funds or ETFs. For some reason, this prohibition of legalized bribery had an exception that applied to LICS and advisors were still able to receive commissions. Fund managers were still permitted to pay advisors and brokers a stamping fee. Well, in 2020, it was announced that LIC commissions would end as well. This change came about after ASIC confidentially advised the government <laughs> that listed funds were rife with poor performance and the conflicted commissions were hard to justify. A statement I think we can all summarize by saying, no kidding. All right. So that's the history of LICs in Australia. What about right now? What does the landscape look like? Well, there's 101 LICs listed on the ASX, according to their October report, and by far the most popular asset class that investors are using LICs to access is Australian equities, followed by international shares and then fixed income. And when we look at the premium or discount to the NTA, we're seeing a lot of LICs that are trading at a discount, with the most at 50% by MMJ Investments, which focuses on the cannabis sector. (laughs) And Speaking of getting high, Shani, <laughs> as we mentioned before, licks have seen a lot of growth. So we started lick coverage as investors became more and more interested in this investment product. So we don't have too many ratings at this moment. Yeah, so we cover 11 licks at the moment. Of those, eight have a neutral rating, two have a bronze rating, and one, Magellan Global Closed Class, has a silver rating. Before we go into some of the specifics, let's talk a little bit about ratings and licks as a product. Morningstar assesses investment managers based on how we believe they will perform in the future over an economic cycle against both peers and accepted benchmarks. Our model rewards managers, which are open and transparent, have a well-run investment process, and importantly, are good fiduciaries of investor cash. So the rating scale is the same as we have for funds and ETFs, and there's a reason for that. We believe at Morningstar that investors should be product agnostic. Investors should choose the product that is best for them and their situation, whether that be equities, funds, ETFs, licks. So they're all rated on a level playing field, so it's easy for investors to make that comparison. So this is a pretty good time to talk a little about the differences between these vehicles and why you might choose a lick and where it might fit into your portfolio. And we'll do that by comparing it to securities that might be a little bit more familiar, equities, funds, and ETFs. And bringing this back to our top-rated LIC, Magellan Global Closed Class, it is coincidentally a great example because Magellan offer this investment through different forms, an ETF, ticker symbol MGOC, a fund, and a LIC, ticker symbol MGF. Okay, so first the distinguisher, it's listed, just like equities and ETFs. So to trade, you incur transaction costs in the form of brokerage. And there are a few considerations with brokerage for investors. So namely, how often are you investing? you're incurring brokerage every time you invest and you invest one or two times a month, this is going to have a significant impact on your total returns. So if, if you're in the situation where you're investing small amounts, paycheck to paycheck, and you're paying a decent chunk of it towards brokerage, you might not want to go for a lick. You might consider an unlisted asset like a fund. So in that case, you would be leaning towards Magellan Global in the fund form. If you're able to invest in decent parcels or if you're not paying brokerage, say, for example, Superhero, which is a broker, offers brokerage-free trades on ETFs, this might not be a concern for you or a decider for you. Of course, there are other considerations that we'll move on to. And so the second consideration is fees. So now with our example, across the ETF, LIC, and fund, the management fee is the same. So it's 1.35% with a performance fee of 10% of the excess return above the higher of the index relative hurdle. 
This is a little complicated. Um, so that is looking at the MISCI World Net Total Return Index and the absolute return hurdle. So that's the yield of 10-year Australian government bonds. So in this situation, it cancels out. Let's speak more generally because an investment being available across three different investment products is the exception and not the rule. So as an investor, fees should be a consideration when you're picking the right investment product for you. You don't obviously pay fees to own individual equities, but you do for professionally managed products, ETFs, funds, and LICs. And again, just like transaction costs, they can be detrimental to your total return outcomes. When we look at LICs, their average management fee is over 1%, and that is a lot. So let's look at what you're paying for with a LIC specifically, just because you want to make sure that you're getting your money's worth. There are a few reasons why LICs have been gaining popularity with investors and why they're willing to pay often over 1% to invest in these investment products. The first reason is something that we've already mentioned, and that was the change that we saw come about after the amendments to the Corporations Act. Dividends are something that many investors, especially income-oriented investors, are attracted to. Managers of LICs have choice, the choice to retain dividends or income that is generated within the investment and choose an appropriate time to distribute the income. This is extremely attractive for investors, especially those that are looking for stable income. Okay, so why don't we pause here and talk about why stable income is so attractive and why the alternatives to LICs don't measure up. So stable income is what investors are looking to generate when they want passive income to support themselves. So the predictability of the income means predictability of spending. And predictability is not something that you get from income generated from funds and ETFs. So funds and ETFs are legally required to distribute both capital gains and income, which means depending upon the capital gains generated, and that can come from rebalancing or index changes, you can have large variations year to year in what's distributed. We're going to use an example, and the example is going to involve me reading a lot of numbers, so get ready for that. <laughs> so we're looking at the Vanguard Australian Shares High Yield ETF with the ticker symbol of VHY. It's an ETF that tracks an, an index that has companies that pay higher forecast dividends relative to other ASX-listed companies. So you're getting income from this. So let's look at the distribution history. This is where I get to read all the numbers. So if we go back to 2015, it paid a distribution of 454. In 2016, that distribution went down 23% to 346. 2017, it went back up to 420, which was an increase of 21%. And it went up again in 2018 to 476, which was an increase of 13%. 2019, we're almost done. As you can tell, it's the years <laughs> the years are getting uh, closer to where we are now. They're running out. Exactly. In 2019, it dropped again to 326, which was down 31.5% from the year before. Then it dropped again in 2020 to 185, which was a reduction of 43%. So this is a scenario that is pretty difficult for someone who is relying on that income to pay their bills. Conversely, if you aren't using your portfolio to generate passive income because you're either younger or you're selling off your portfolio to generate cash to pay your bills, this advantage of licks would matter less. In the case of younger investors, the swings in ETFs and fund distributions will matter less over the long term. For retirees that are selling off the portfolio to generate cash to live off your portfolio, the premium and discount swings could add more volatility to your portfolio, which could subject you to even more sequencing risk. Morningstar Premium is designed to help you reach your investing goals. Our coverage spans over 50,000 securities and 2,000 funds and ETFs. Sign up to a four-week free trial through the link in the episode notes to access our global equity best ideas for our top picks across borders. Find shares with sustainable, above-average dividend payouts and the best opportunities at home with five-star Aussie stocks. 
A Morningstar Premium subscription includes a ShareSide investor plan, allowing you to track all of your investment holdings in one place. And take advantage of ShareSite's investment performance and tax reporting that has been built specifically for the needs of self-directed investors. If you love premium after your four-week trial and choose to subscribe, your subscription may be tax-deductible if you derive income from the share market. Sign up for a free trial today. Okay, so let's get back to other reasons why people like licks. So it's the closed-ended aspect of it. And that means, as we said before, that licks can trade at a discount. So effectively, you're purchasing an asset for less than it's worth. However, there is absolutely no guarantee that the lick will reflect the value of the underlying assets, as the price of the lick that an investor would redeem the asset for is based, of course, on supply and demand. And that's another way that licks differ from other investments, the way that they're valued. Equities, this doesn't really count for, they aren't valued. This really just concerns the collective investment vehicles, so ETFs, funds, and licks. When you look at funds, they're, they're valued at the net asset value, or NAV. This is just a calculation. It takes all the assets within the fund, minus any liabilities that they have, and it's commonly displayed as a per unit value. So you divide it by the units in the fund. With ETFs, they also have a NAV, but there's room with ETFs for there to be a deviation from the net asset value. We won't go into too much detail about this because this is an episode on licks, but the NAV is reflective of the fund's underlying assets in the same way as a managed fund, and there are mechanisms in place to make sure the price and the NAV don't deviate too far from each other. When we look at licks, there are more instances than not that deviations from the NTA, net tangible assets, happens. Okay, so exactly. So all things being equal, you do want to purchase investments at a discount or anything at a discount, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there's just no guarantee that that discount will ever disappear. And this is the point that a lot of lick naysayers like to point out. There's a particularly pointed blog post on, on Stockspot that talks about how investors like licks because they're often at a discount. But there is, of course, no guarantee that it'll reflect the value. Of course, Stockspot has a vested interest in promoting ETFs, but nonetheless, the point that they're trying to make is correct. There's just no guarantee that the value of the fund will be reflected in the price. But in the same way as licks, we can also talk about equities. So we believe at Morningstar that the price and the value of equities can deviate significantly over the short term, but eventually they do intersect. This is what we base our investment philosophy on, and we're in good company. So Benjamin Graham, who we've spoken about a lot and, of course, wrote The Intelligent Investor, he famously said in the short run, the market is a voting machine, but in the long run, it's a weighing machine. He bas he's basically saying that there will be deviations and ups and downs in the short term, but ultimately price and value will intersect over the long term. Now, of course, the comparison of this to licks is not perfect. There are nuances to this, but it is the same case with equities. The intersection between price and value may or may not come, but fundamentally, the investments are different. With equities, you're investing in the underlying business performing well. With licks, you're investing in the demand of the lick going up. And this, of course, can be derived from the underlying assets doing well, as the income and capital generated should drive demand for the lick. Okay. And one thing to consider is that, you know, sometimes even the manager gets really sick of these discounts <laughs> and then does something drastic to either reduce or eliminate that discount. So we've seen this recently when a couple of licks have converted. So for instance, in June of 2021, the Monash Absolute Investment Company became an exchange traded managed fund called the Monash Absolute Active Trust. Magellan also made the same decision in July 2021 when the Magellan High Conviction Trust converted to an open-ended active ETF. Now, obviously, this has the advantage of eliminating the discount, but there are downsides, of course, for investors. 
Another recent development is something that came out of Wilson Asset Management. Jeff Wilson is a big believer in licks. He started a new lick called Wham Strategic Value with the appropriately picked ticker symbol of war. Well, Jeff Wilson, the CEO of Wilson Asset Management, means to go to war on licks trading at a discount. This new lick will buy licks that are trading at discounts to their NTA. This buying will, of course, raise the price of the lick. Lots of excitement in Lickland. So we've gone a little bit off topic. So let's go back to the last main point as to why people invest in licks, and it is the close-ended structure. As we spoke about before, investors are protected from other investors' actions. Their share of the lick is not impacted by rash decision-making that may force professional managers to buy or sell assets to the detriment of investment performance. And this means that there are specialist licks across private equity and illiquid assets that make a lot more sense than managed funds or ETFs, where there would be a forced sale if there were enough withdrawals. So lick investors can access alternative assets, corporate income funds, credit funds, private equity, different assets that might perform better without having to manage flows. Yeah, I mean, of course, there are other benefits that you get from professionally managed products, fund accounting, consolidated reporting, professional management, like, which are included, but we'll skip over those because we're speaking about licks specifically today. All right. So what else is that? There's minimums. Minimum investments are a consideration with investment products. So when we look at the Magellan investment, you've only got to consider it for the unlisted fund, which is a $10,000 minimum. Of course, even though practically there's no minimum investment with listed assets, you want to ensure that you're investing in an amount that is making brokerage make sense. Yeah. So when you look at LICs, and of course, same thing with ETFs and direct equities, as Shawnee said, there is no real minimum, but it's just based on what the trading costs are. And of course, there should be a self-imposed minimum depending upon your brokerage amount. So paying $10 to buy $100 worth of a LIC doesn't really make any sense. All right. So that was a lot. So in short, why would you invest in a LIC? Okay. An investor would choose to invest in a LIC for stable and predictable income. An investor would also choose to invest in a LIC if they were worried about the impact of investor behavior on professionally managed funds. An investor would choose a LIC if they had lump sum investments that made sense with brokerage costs. And they'd also choose to invest in a LIC if there was a specialist strategy like private equity or credit that they were looking to access. Okay. So let's say that you are this investor. You're going to go out there invest in a lick right now. And there's a lot of licks on the market and a lot that are trading at a discount. So let's talk about discounts and premiums a little more. As we said, the discount may never disappear. So let's talk about what would actually push the price of a lick higher from a discount to a premium, or at least closer to the NTA, right? Mm -hmm. And FirstLinks has a great summary of this. So we'll pop a link into it at the investing coming recently. The Investing Compass Resources. Yeah, where you can also see the picture of nachos and (laughs) your puppy. My puppy, Priscilla. Exactly, exactly. Um, So one of the things that you look at, of course, is performance and track record. So we speak about this a lot, but investors choose investments based on past performance. So if you look at its performance compared to the benchmark, if it outperforms, it's likely that it will maintain and attract investors in the future. This will help to drive the price up as the demands for the lick increase. Although we never suggest basing an investment decision on past performance, this should provide insights into demand if it has a history of outperformance. The second is its dividend policy and how it has distributed dividends in the past. As we've mentioned, one of the most attractive features of licks are the sustainable dividends that they can provide to investors as they have the choice to distribute income if and when they choose. If there's a track record of growing dividends with franking credits, this is an attractive law for many investors. 
Aussies have a lot of time for franking credits and we also have a lot of time for dividends. Yeah. So in Australia, we obviously have this large cohort of investors and particularly SMSF investors that are bloodhounds for franking credits and income. So if it's likely that an investment with a track record of both will be able to generate demand and lift up the price. Then there's profit reserves. Going back to the point of choosing when to distribute income, you can only choose to do so if you have the reserves too. The market isn't always going up and good capital management is pivotal to ensuring that in weaker years of market returns and dividend growth, the income payments remain sustainable and are able to be repeated. Yeah, and what you want to look for here is a lick with a strong profit balance. And Julia Stanistreet from Naos Asset Management wrote an article in First Links and says that you want to look at 12 months at least, and that can protect the dividends distributed from the lick. So if you find a lick with this balance, there's more of a chance that it would attract demand and that will prop it up to a premium or at least close to a premium in the future. Speaking of capital management, that's the next point. What we haven't mentioned so far is because licks are close-ended, if the managers decide that they want to issue new shares, this dilutes the current shares in the lick, which is not great for existing investors in the fund. This is similar to a secondary offering on a share you hold. For a lick, you want to ensure that they do not do this unless the lick is trading at a premium, otherwise the discount can be exacerbated. Check for the history of dilutive share issues in the lick, and more than finding attractive licks that may trade for a premium, this one really just rules out the ones you want to avoid. The last one we'll talk about is a bit of a softer check. But what is the marketing and communications like and who is the manager? So if it's someone like Magellan, or is it a two-man band in an office behind a Chatswood Mackers? <laughs> At the end of the day, people are investing their money. Trust is a huge part of this. And well-known, reputable managers with track records hold and attract investor demand easier. And they usually have the marketing dollars to back them. Awareness can drive demand because after all, no one knows it exists. No one's going to put their money in it. You know, a lot of work goes into the Investing Compass podcast, but Mark actually put in a lot of work into pronouncing Macca's right. Yes. <laughs> quite a lot before the podcast recording. So. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just making sure everyone knows how Australian I am. Right? Say it again. Maccas. Yeah. Okay. So if you see a lick trading at a discount, have a look at these factors, performance and track record, dividend policy, profit reserves, capital management, and awareness. You're looking for things that investors find attractive in investments. And ultimately, it's also important to remember that licks are actively managed. We've spoken at length in our active passive barometer report episode about the asset classes that active management traditionally succeeds in. We won't go through all those asset classes in this episode. When you're looking at actively managed investments, which are, as in the case with licks, expensive, ensure that you are getting something that has a good opportunity to outperform this benchmark. All right, we did it. I said Macca's twice, now you three times, which is, uh, which is a good <laughs> thing. But thank you very much for joining us. We would love it if you would share this with your friends and family. And also, we would appreciate a rating and a comment in our podcast app. Any advice in this podcast is general advice or regulated financial advice under New Zealand law prepared by Morningstar Australasia Proprietary Limited and or Morningstar Research Limited without reference to your financial objectives, situations or needs. You should consider the advice in light of these matters and any relevant product disclosure statement before making any decision to invest. To obtain advice for your own situation, contact a financial advisor.